Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bold Speak Podcast. I'm Anthony Creedon. On this latest edition of the podcast, we're going to dive into Galatians chapter 4, 12 to 20, and really start to see Paul's heart as he's going to reveal a few things about himself and encourage the Galatians to give up this false gospel. And on this edition of The Inner Out, I'm going to talk a little bit about nickel and dime airlines. Those of you who travel can probably guess where I'm going with that. All that and more right now as we give them the bold speak. Hello, everyone. Glad you're joining me for this next part of our No Other Gospel Bible study as we get further into the book of Galatians with the discussion of Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 to 20. Now, for those of you who are following along in the study guide, if you open up to page 22, you'll see that we have a lot to cover on this episode to finish off this lesson. So buckle up as we're going to move a little bit quicker than usual. Now, if you've yet to pick up the study guide, not to worry, you can grab it on our website, www.theboldspeak.com. Click on the shop at the top of the page, and there you'll find the study guide for this series and our YouTube series as well uh, for a small price. Now, these study guides give you a little bit more information as well as uh, some give you some places for you to write things down, get your thoughts down, uh, answers to these questions as, as you continue to grow in your faith and knowledge of God's word. All right, so since we have a lot to cover today, let's jump in here with reading Galatians chapter 4, 12 to 20. Uh, if you have your Bible nearby, go ahead and open it up to Galatians 4. If you don't have access to a Bible at the moment or in the middle of a drive, not to worry, I have you covered, as I'll be reading the entire section from the English Standard Version of the Bible. So relax, and I will take care of that. All right, so here we go. Uh, this is Galatians 4, verses 12 to 20. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. All right, so if you take a look in your study guide, what you're going to see is a couple of notes here. And the first thing that we want to notice is Paul's words regarding the entire reason he was with the Galatians in the first place. It appears that Paul was suffering with an ailment of some sort, right? And so the question becomes kind of what was the ailment? To be honest with you, it's it's not entirely clear, although we have a lot of speculation. It's largely believed that Paul's ailment concerned his eyesight. Now, while the genesis of this ailment is unknown, there are a few places in the scriptures that give us some indication 
of the nature of Paul's suffering. And so we're going to take a look at some of those places to kind of get an idea about this so we can get a little bit of an insight into Paul's identity. Who is Paul? Kind of what makes Paul Paul. All right, so we're going to begin with a reading of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10, and we're going to see what he says here. Again, this is from the English Standard Version of the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, the question we have here in association with the Second Corinthians reading is this, and it's question four in your study guide. What is Paul saying to the Corinthian church? What is Paul trying to explain here? It appears that Paul believed that in order to prevent himself from, from being lifted up, right, from, from becoming bigger than he should be, God allowed Satan to give him a thorn in his flesh, uh, some kind of weakness that kept him humble. And this thorn in the flesh allowed others to recognize Paul's humanity and his weaknesses, and thus, and this is the important part, attribute all his revelations to God rather than his own wisdom or intelligence. And this is what he's getting to when he says that, that when I am weak, I am strong. Because when Paul shows himself by his weaknesses, then he is shown to be strong by the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit within him. And this is a pretty critical point here to kind of pause and consider. What do our weaknesses bring to us as the Christian church? Now, we live in a world that is, I would argue, afraid of weaknesses. We don't like to admit when we struggle with things or when we have problems, but part of the beauty of Christianity is to see that, that our weaknesses, our, our struggles, those, those places that we uh, just have difficulty with, those, those sins that we deal with, the, the realities of the suffering and things in our life, those weaknesses bring out an opportunity to show the strength of God in the face of those weaknesses. We as a society have been sort of trained to hide from our weaknesses, to, to, to not show other people our vulnerabilities. But I would argue that one of the most incredible parts about the church is the ability that we have to find strength and hope in Christ in the midst of those vulnerabilities and weaknesses. And, and when we share those vulnerabilities with other people, when we're willing to stop for a moment and open up to others, to, to share weaknesses, to share struggles. What we have is, is a power of community in Christ to proclaim the forgiveness of sins, to proclaim the, the realities of, of Christ's strength and God's power in the face of those things, and thus bolster and strengthen the community as a whole in showing the power of God. 
and and I know in today's society that's that's again a, a very kind of difficult thing to uh, allow ourselves to do. Um, we tend to hide from each other. That's what sin does. It creates separation between people, and then we hide from from each other and hide from that sin. And so we don't like to talk about those things. But there's incredible strength in the church when we do. And so I, this is where I think it's helpful to encourage people and encourage you to to find people that you trust, people within the church, um, people that really live and show the gospel, that you can speak about the struggles that you have in life, uh, that you can talk openly uh, about the difficult things. Uh, and this is, I think, a critical part of what it means to be the church, it's something that I think in, in many places we've lost. Uh, but Paul is kind of, uh, reinforcing this to us here in 2 Corinthians. He sees his weaknesses as strengths because God is shown to be strong when he is shown to be weak. It's not him. Paul isn't doing this because Paul is an amazing guy. Uh, Paul's doing this because God is an amazing God. And that's the key here. Now, the question with this, and when he talks about this thorn in his flesh, is, is what is it? What exactly is he talking about? Um, what is the thing, the weakness that he struggled with? Now, we're going to take a look, if you look in your study guide, at four different parts of Scripture, two of them from the book of Galatians itself, uh, that reveal to us a little bit about what this might be, right? And so uh, I'm going to read through these kind of rapid fire, uh, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss them a little bit further. Uh, so here we go. Here are four different Scriptures, uh, and I'll introduce each of them in the English Standard Version. All right, the first is Romans chapter 16, verse 22. And at the end of the book of Romans, it says this, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Okay, the second reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 21. that says this, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. And the next two are from Galatians, Galatians 4, verse 15, uh, well, this is what we read in our study for today. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. And then finally, Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. All right, now question five asks this. What can we assume on the basis of these four verses? Right, now, I would say on the basis of what you have here, there are two things that we can assume. The first is that Paul used what's called uh, an amanuensis. An amanuensis is a dictation assistant. All right, so how this would work is the, the person who's responsible for the writing would speak these things, and then the amanuensis would write for them. And many times this was used uh, in situations where, uh, kind of for a couple of different reasons. Uh, first, if the person was not literate. You have to remember that literacy wasn't rampant in these days. Not everyone knew how to write. Uh, and so uh, an amanuensis would do the writing for someone as they spoke. Uh, other instances would be for someone who was blind or physically impaired in some way, would have an amanuensis serve them uh, to write down or dictate the things that they spoke. Now, what we get in Romans 16.22 is that Paul used a man uh, for his letter to the Romans by the name of Tertius. Uh, Tertius uh, wrote the letter for Paul. What we see in 1 Corinthians 16 is that the, the first letter to the Corinthians was actually written by Paul himself. 
okay? Um, and so he's kind of scribing these things down. At the end of the book of Galatians, what we'll see and what I read for you is that Paul gives an indication that he himself wrote it by talking about the large letters, right? He says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. So it would appear that, that Paul's use of an amanuensis has something to do with a physical impairment. All right, now that leads to the question of what was the physical impairment that was kind of causing problems for him. Uh, and this is where Galatians 4.15 that we read is, is incredibly helpful. What he says is, uh, right, for I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. All right, now that's a, a bit of a, a weird thing to say unless the Galatian church knows why he's saying it. And this is why many believe that the, the realities that Paul dealt with, with the thorn in the flesh, his difficulty, was poor eyesight, okay? So this these, uh, this reference to the large letters that he's talking about, the, the saying that they, the people would have loved him and, and cared for him by gouging out their own eyes, seems to give an indication that Paul's difficulty, the, the issue he was dealing with, was poor eyesight. Now, this could be a result of uh, what happened to him on the road to Damascus uh, when he went blind and was blind for several days following uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ to him. Um, but the reality is, is if we don't know. Uh, it could be old age, could be any number of things. Uh, but what it does seem to, to indicate here is that Paul is struggling with poor eyesight. All right, so now that we have kind of some idea of what Paul's speaking of in verses 13 to 14, let's take a little closer look at what Paul's trying to say to the Galatian Christians in these uh, next verses back in Galatians 4. All right, so we're going to go back to Galatians 4. Uh, so go ahead and turn there. Uh, we're going to look specifically at verses 16 to 17 as question 6 asks this. What is Paul expressing in verses 16 to 17? Now look at a little bit of a refresher. Let's read again verses 16 to 17. It says, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. All right, so what's Paul expressing in 16 and 17? The Judaizers have turned Paul into an enemy by confusing the truth of the gospel message. Okay? And the reason that Paul points to this, the reason why they do it, is because they want to make much of themselves. See, Paul's effort is to bring glory to Christ. He doesn't want the focus to be on him. He doesn't want the attention. In fact, Paul has been humbled by his ailment, as we saw in 2 Corinthians 12, and that's why he even brings it up. All Paul desires is for the people to know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be freed by its revelation. The Judaizers, however, are proclaiming a message that makes the Christians in Galatia have to rely on them for proper living and observance of the law. So what happens is the focus of the religion is on the men, right? The Judaizers who are forcing it upon the Galatians rather than God who has freed them from the law. The Judaizers have made the religion all about them, right? And this is what Paul is telling them. All these things the Judaizers are doing are to bring attention to them. And so the religion becomes about the Judaizers and not any longer about God. And this is a problem. Now, I would say this is a problem uh, sometimes in Christianity today. Some preachers, some pastors, some leaders have a tendency to place the focus of the religion upon them. 
They're the sole source for uh, what it is we're to know about God. And so the people start to rely on humans rather than upon God. All right. Now, God uses humans, right? He uses us to communicate messages. He's using me uh, to communicate a message to you. But here's the difference. I never, ever want any of you listeners. I never, ever want you to simply take my word for it. Right? Look in the word of God for yourself. Check it out. Check my references. Look at uh, the things that I'm saying to validate its truth by the word of God. Because the authority by which I speak is not coming from me. Just like it didn't come from Paul. It's coming directly from God. In anything that is spoken in the name of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, has authority based solely upon God and Christ himself. Paul recognizes that here. Right? He's, he's saying, look, in my weakness, right, I'm just a humble man. I, I'm a man who in, in other places has mentioned, I'm a man who used to murder Christians for a living. That's what I did. But that weakness shows that God can take the worst of sinners and proclaim the power of the gospel through them because the authority doesn't rely upon the person. The authority relies solely upon God. And so this is a really important message that Paul's trying to establish. The Judaizers want the people to follow them. They want fame and popularity for their message and what they're proclaiming is the truth. Paul is saying, I'm just giving you the word of God. And its authority, its power is solely on God and not on me. And because you can see the difference there between the Judaizers pointing to themselves and me constantly pointing to Christ, you can see very clearly who's given you the truth. All right, so this is a really important point for Paul to make. All right, now this gets us to question seven. Why is Paul's point about the religion of the Judaizers so important for us today? Because in a world full of religious choices, it's always important to recognize the focus of each religious expression. Even within Christianity, there are those who seek to promote themselves in the name of God rather than promoting God and recognizing themselves as simply the messenger. And this is important for, for two reasons. Right? The first is self-promotion in the proclamation of the truth can distort the truth in an effort to make the individual more important than the message. When the emphasis becomes all about the individual, the details of the truth can be modified, manipulated according to a personal agenda. All right, so for instance, that a religious person wants to be wealthy. All right, that particular religious person may find themselves overemphasizing or changing the nature of uh, tithing or uh, giving offerings or any of those kind of things in an effort to gain more wealth. In this way, the truth becomes a servant to their own will rather than an expression of God's word and will. All right, so self-promotion is, is a real big danger here. The second is a recognition of the fact that we are simple messengers, right? Those who proclaim the word of God are simple messengers, as Paul recognizes. And this allows the message to not be muddled by the ailments and the struggles of the messenger, right? This is what Paul's expressing so well in the telling of the story. If the message depended upon the messenger, neither Paul or any of us would ever be effective proclaimers of God's truth. But when we recognize that the word of God is truth in spite of our failures, right, in spite of our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities, it allows the message to ring true in all circumstances. And maybe even more so, it makes an even stronger emphasis of the power of God when he uses sinners to proclaim those truths. 
right? I mean, thanks be to God that the working of God's word doesn't depend on us, right? I think you'd agree there. All right, let's finish this off with question eight. What is Paul telling the Christians, right, the Galatian Christians, in verse 20? To remind you, here's what verse 20 says. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. <laughs> the book of Galatians is a very strong, emotional book for Paul. Now, you can tell this is, this is angry Paul. This is frustrated Paul. And because Paul is so angry, his tone has been rather forceful throughout this letter. And I can promise you it's going to get a little bit more forceful when we get to chapter 5. All right, but he's he's frustrated. He's confused as to how these, these Christians could give up so easily on the truth when presented with the, the, the chains of the Judaizer message. But he also recognizes that these are beloved children of God. These are believers. They're precious people that, while confused and, and guilty of falling into a, a lie, deserve to be restored to faith by the truth. Right? And I love this because this is the humanity of Paul kind of coming out here. He doesn't understand how these people could have succumbed to these lies, but he still dearly loves them. Right? It's, it's fair to say that we have all, at one time or another, fallen victim to a lie and are in need of the truth and a whole lot of love. And, and that's what Paul is offering here. Right? He's saying, I wish I could change my tone. I wish I wasn't so angry. I'm just, I'm so confused as to how this happened. Right? He's, just, he's pouring himself out to these people because he loves them so dearly. And what an excellent expression of how the gospel works. Even when we're frustrated with people or we're angry with people or disappointed in people, we never stop loving them and we never stop desiring to give them the message and the truth of the gospel to set them free. Right? And that's, that's what Christianity is all about. Now, this is a, a great opportunity then for, for Paul to kind of step in here and to give them the truth and to explain to them, here's how this works. And that's exactly what he's going to do in chapter 5. He's going to tell them very specifically, here's how the gospel works. And so we look forward to that on the next episode of the Bold Speak podcast. Now, I, uh, I travel a lot to see family and loved ones, as most of my folks and loved ones are back in the Midwest. And over the years, I have taken many a plane ride. But as I've traveled and loved ones have traveled to me, there has been one reoccurring theme. We all hate nickel and dime airlines. And that's my focus on this edition of The In or Out. All right, young man, in or out? It's no secret that the airlines and travel in general were hit hard after September 11th. Many airlines that were once bastions of quality travel and customer service took a big hit as many were afraid to fly and simply stopped flying altogether. As a result, certain airlines began to cut out many of the non-essentials and raise prices just to stay afloat. But what resulted from this was the advent of bargain airlines and what Spirit Airlines calls a bare fare. That's a low price for a seat on the plane and, well, that's it. It seems simple and understandable, right? Well, not exactly. In fact, these bare fares and others like them on other airlines are more of a punishment than anything else because of what they don't tell you 
and the lack of expectations as a result of the bare fare. I'll give you three examples. Example one. On a recent spirit flight, a friend of mine was greeted to a seat with barely the legroom for a small child and with a small child behind her that was throwing up at a pretty steady rate throughout the flight. And then once the flight got to the airport, the plane was delayed to get to the gate for close to an hour because of another delayed flight. Then, once she reboarded for the second leg of the flight, she sat there for 40 minutes until someone finally came over the speaker and explained what was going on. Apparently, the bare fare doesn't include respect or courtesy either. Look, it's not that those things happened, because sometimes they do. Although the child behind her that was apparently needing a doctor or an exorcism probably could have been avoided by the parents, who, my friend found out later, knew the child was sick when they brought him on board. The issue is that no one felt it necessary to fill the passengers in on what was going on. No flight attendant offered anything to the passengers by way of an apology for the delays, or even a kind word of acknowledgement that this is frustrating. As she described it, it was almost as if they were saying, well, you got a cheap fare, so that means you just have to sit here and deal with whatever we give you. Example 2. Another couple, who was flying Spirit Airlines, was unaware that the weight limit for luggage for Spirit is 40 pounds, not the standard 50 pounds. That's apparently in the fine print. So not only did they have to pay the ridiculous amount of money to check a bag, but an additional fee for not setting that up online. Because, you know, it costs $50 for the person at the counter to go, oh, you have a bag that needs to be checked? Ugh, now I have to mark that on your ticket and then do the same thing I would have had to do if you did it online. I mean, how much of a difference is there between the two? I can probably guarantee you not a $50 difference. Example three. On a flight I took on United Airlines, I realized the day before that they won't let you check into your flight online if you aren't paying for luggage. See, they, they need to verify that you aren't lying when you bring your personal item. This means that their cheap fare is actually a punishment because now you are guaranteed a bad seat because you can only check in once you get to the airport. A detail they probably have buried in fine print somewhere. Now, where is all this leading to? It seems that it's become standard practice for cheap airlines to see what they can swindle out of you for using their low fares. A practice that is deeply disappointing. Proverbs 11.3 says the integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. And it will. Many of us and others have begun swearing off these airlines because of these deceitful tricks, and I assume that as more realize this, they will too. And to the nickel and dime airlines like Spirit and United, y'all did this to yourself. Because more and more people like me are saying that when it comes to flying with you, I'm sorry, we're out. Well, 
That's all for us in the Bold Speak podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Also, catch us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at forward slash The Bold Speak. You can also catch us on our website at www.theboldspeak.com. And if you have any questions about today's broadcast or you have any questions that you want me to tackle in the future, make sure you email us at anyquestions at theboldspeak.com. Until next time, everyone, I'm Anthony Creedon, and that is The Bold Speak.